Welcome back. Yeah, that's right. It's me saying it this time instead of Will. I've always wanted to be the one to say it. You always get to start the episodes. I just feel so... It's, it's so, true. I do. It's empowering, you know? <laughs> I'm glad you're finding power in it today, yes, Ben. Yes. Anyway, so this week, we are going to be discussing uh, basically the idea of how do we handle different beliefs among believers, among Christians. So I actually wanted to open this idea came from a conversation with a friend of mine about how do we handle it when other people believe things differently about the Bible, about God than we do. Uh, and so basically what it came down to is he was saying that he wasn't sure who to listen to anymore pastor wise because it seemed like every time that he found someone he liked, maybe it was a, a John MacArthur or a David Platt or a Francis Chan or whoever it was, every time you would find someone that he liked, uh, someone would eventually come along and they'd point out that there was something wrong with their theology. And so you'd end up with this situation where 90% of what they're saying is right and it's agreeable and you know we can get behind it. But there would be like one or two things that were just off. And it felt like, well, I can't listen to them anymore because there's something wrong here because they are teaching something incorrect. So, Will, what do you do in these situations? How do we handle it when we don't quite believe exactly the same as other people, whether it's a leader or just a fellow believer? It's definitely a probably a more common issue than we think about it. It's bigger for some people than others. But my, my first response is, first of all, we got to have grace. We're all on this journey of life together. I don't think anybody's got the 100% correct theology. I, I do. Mean, okay, Ben. Uh, you go create the ones for church then and uh, have fun with that. But like, I, I think we're all going through this journey together. We're all trying to grow closer to God. So I, I think we need to have some grace for that. I think yeah. God's got grace for our theology. We should probably have grace for other people's theology. Do we have a different amount of grace then for leaders? Because I, I want to make sure that we're talking about leaders and just other believers. So when you say we have grace, what about if it's a pastor who's saying something that we don't agree with? How do we do we show the same amount of grace or a different kind of grace with that? I think that we need to recognize like everybody is deserving of grace, leaders included. Uh, it might look a little different to hear something wrong from a leader mm -hmm. and how we, how we approach that might end up being a little different than just, you know, your neighbor or whatever, spitting some bad theology out their window, <laughs> but we still want to give that grace to all people. Okay. Would you agree with that, Ben? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely do. And especially as a pastor, I'm definitely going to tell you if you're one of my congregation members, uh, or here's someone in my life who sees me as Pastor Ben. Uh, definitely, I need grace too. I'm a human being and I do screw things up. I know I joked and said I don't have, that I do have perfect theology, but I'm sure I'm wrong about some things. I have my slice of humble pie. But no, I, I think that, <laughs> thanks, Will. Have that humble pie. We thanks. all need some every now and then. Some whipped cream on top. Anyways, Ooh, so. That's the best part. But yeah, I do think that the reality is our leaders need just as much grace as everybody else does. Uh, the reality is we're all human beings. We all have a limited understanding of scripture and of God. Um, 
But that being said, while we should be abundant in grace, there are some things that are clearly a wrong interpretation of the text. Uh, we call these things heresies. Now, I know heretic kind of has a very strong religious there's a lot of connotation to the word yes um but we do got to be careful about throwing around the heresy word because it does need to actually be a heresy not just i don't like that so i'm gonna call you a heretic um but most heresies that have been taught so far you can find pretty publicly and most people agree that they are heresies so for example saying that jesus was a sinner we can recognize as the the church global, we can come together and say, this is not true. It is straight up contradictory to what's in scripture. Not just, oh, well, it's not how I interpret it. It is contradicting what is explicitly said in scripture. Uh, any other like immediate obvious things that we, we would say, watch I out for? There, there's a guy that I have seen on TikTok, a TikTok theologian who was the same person I made this claim. Jesus was a sinner. Jesus needed to repent. Uh, mm. We can look at a lot of those kinds of things that as a whole just sound kind of off. Like we hear those as a Christian. We're like, that's a really weird, unique idea. Well, it's <laughs> probably weird and unique because nobody in the greater Christendom thinks that or believes it because scripture points pretty pointedly against it. Funny enough, we get bored sometimes because we feel like we're hearing the same messages in church. But also if you're hearing a totally different message in church, like this is nothing like you've ever heard before. Maybe it should raise some eyebrows sometimes. Like I never heard about the UFO that Jesus came down on. You know, that's a, Maybe we should dig into that one a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. The 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 UFO that took up Enoch and mm. yes. Eli. It wasn't you know. a flaming chariot. That's just what the people thought it was because they didn't recognize exactly. the saucer. Yeah. And so you, you do have those those things out there that like Yeah. Somebody sure they could theorize that. Is there anything in the Bible to to say that? No. Yeah. Um but it, it really does come back to an idea that I think we we like to call Wesley's essential doctrine, uh, essential doctrine, core doctrine, whatever. These are important things that not really negotiable. Yeah. Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, died for our sins. Pretty core things. If you say something contradicting to those things, that probably falls within the realm of heresy. That's probably something we look at as a completely wrong interpretation of the text. Yeah. So we can agree that there are certainly times when people are definitely off. They are definitely, they've fallen out of the realm of different interpretation into just straight up heresy. This is incorrect. So then, of course, the question comes back to then, how do we handle that? Uh, so there's a passage in Matthew 18, 15 to 17. It says, if your brother sins or sister, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that 
every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. And so this is really important that there is a time, a place, and a way. We have to do things in the right setting, and we have to do things the right way. I want to jump in on that verse before we move too far ahead, because it, a lot of people look at that that second verse in that section of, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along, Want to want to make sure that it's not me and my homies going to come jump you because you were wrong. It's not the Crusades. No, it's it's find somebody of mutual respect to both of you to go and approach and go and have a conversation. You're not going to go jump these guys in a back alley because they had the the wrong theology or they were sinning. I think that's also a pretty big sin there. <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's this right way, right setting to do these things. And I usually start this with questions. Ask for clarity on what they said. What did you say? Ask for clarity on what they said. What do you mean? Well, see, that's the thing. Oftentimes something can either not be articulated clearly. Something could be lost in delivery. I know I have had times where somebody has asked me after I've been either given a sermon, doing a lesson, whatever. And they're like, wait, I didn't quite understand what you were saying with this. And because they asked, I was able to be like, oh, no, no, no. This is how you heard it. This is how it was supposed to, to come out. Um, maybe it was something they just didn't connect to thoughts that I had connected in my head. Who knows? But getting clarity from somebody and being like, hey, what, what did you mean when you said that can be very helpful. Yeah, and there's a big difference, too, between starting off with why did you say X, Y, Z? Which is starting with the assumption that you did understand them correctly versus saying, when you said such and such a thing, what did you mean? I mean, great. This is actually, this is just general advice for communicating with people. Like it's not even just with Christians. Like this is just basic communication here. Ask for clarity. Uh, Another step was uh, ask where they got the idea. If you have, you know, they, they, they articulate what they meant and it still is not still not on the same page with them. You're still not sure what, what they're saying. Where'd you get that idea? Did you get hear it from somebody else in a conversation where you taught it in a school, in a sermon, Did you read it in a book? You have a couple possibilities here. Sometimes they're just of a different whole theological bend. And so they're going to, their, their theological framework gives them an answer. It makes sense for them. And that could be part of it. Other times might not be a credible source. Could be some random TikTok theologian giving them some stuff to do. And it's like, ah, buddy, Jesus didn't sin. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is a big one right now is sources mean a lot. Uh, There's no rules, despite what people seem to think. There's no rules about what you can post on the Internet. So if I want to go on TikTok and say Jesus was a sinner, he's a way, not the way, and he's not actually God. Oh, just those words. You'll go viral. That's what. Yeah, happen. you absolutely will. And those words leaving my mouth alone that just makes me like 
cringe to say them out loud. I think but, I just watched you die inside a little bit trying a to little, get those out. A little bit. It felt very wrong to say. But anyway, uh, nothing can stop me from posting it. I might even get a lot of attention for it. Um, so make sure you understand uh, not just their sources, but also your own. You know, make sure you're asking yourself, where did you get your idea from? Before you go and question everyone else because theirs is different, ask where you got your own from, too. Uh, and if it is just they heard it from some TikTok theologian, go back to the grace and understand that maybe they don't understand the concept of sources matter. Right. But there can very easily be a multitude of layers of just, hey, let's clarify that a little bit. And this can be a great place to also then go ask what their idea, whatever it might be, how does that interact with scripture that does directly oppose that? Now, don't just say, hey, somewhere in the Bible, it says X, Y, Z. If you're going to have this conversation and do it right, have the actual scriptures that would say, hey, Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus wasn't a sinner. Hey, you're reading this scripture and you're reading that Jesus was a sinner here, but that's not at all what the story was trying to say. Maybe bring some commentaries or something else and be like, hey, like, no, this is why it, why this interaction happened this way. This brings in a really important aspect of this idea of how do we handle other people's different beliefs is make sure you have a solid grasp yourself before you go and question other people. So uh, Jesus calls it, take the plank out of your own eye before you pick at the speck of dust in theirs. So, you know, maybe you heard someone teach about sprinkle baptism, but you were always taught dunking baptism. I'm going to be honest, man, that's a speck. If, especially if you are personally believing that Jesus was just human, not God at all. You know, worry yeah. about your own planks first and make sure that you have a solid grasp of your own theology and of the scriptures uh, before you jump in and just question everyone else. And it can certainly be a way that, to push you to know your scriptures better. For sure. I remember there was a church that I was working at and it was somewhat charismatic. So there was this, this idea of speaking in tongues uh, that was normal conversation. And there were some people that were like, I don't. I don't see that as the reaction in scripture. And instead of like getting mad and upset at each other, it pushed everybody to read those scriptures, research them deeply to try to better understand what they believed. And so it, it can push us. And we need to make sure that when we're, especially if somebody just really has had bad information given to them, make sure that we're lovingly walking through the scriptures with them yeah. to understand better. Cause it can also be a learning experience for us as we're approaching that of getting to know the scriptures better. And it's not to make somebody feel bad that, Hey, you're wrong, which I know there's a society that loves to make people feel bad because they're wrong. Yep. No, it's, it's a learning and growing experience, man. It's uh, as, as of recording, it is 1203. I am sure I have been wrong at least a dozen times today already. Two dozen. I've been Two counting. Dozen. Yeah. Ah, thank you, Ben. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for, to make sure that you feel bad. <laughs> but yeah, it's, Absolutely it's, kidding. Sorry. We're, we're going through this. We're learning together. We're trying to grow together. And iron sharpens iron. 
like we're we're meant to push each other in our understanding of scripture. Yeah, so I think I think too giving people the benefit of the doubt sometimes can really go a long way in this and making sure that you're sharpening each other and not just tearing each other down. Uh, I would like to just kind of issue a general reminder that not everybody's had access to the same biblical education. So even if something that they're teaching seems obviously wrong to you, because, well, I grew up in church, I've read the Bible over and over again, I know what they're saying is wrong. Well, just remember that they may be acting in good faith, they may just be excited to share what they know, and maybe they just haven't had the same opportunity to learn. And rather than saying, okay, this person believes differently, they believe wrongly, let me make sure I rip this out of them, gently walk through them with it, teach them the way that you were taught, if you were taught gently, so that they can grow too. Obviously, if someone beat it into you, that doesn't mean go and beat it into them. And you just so. gave me flashbacks to my undergrad with, man, it, it, you throw some kids in a theology class that think they know it all. Ouch. Whew, things got heated. It's yeah. great. Good times. So there was definitely not enough grace going around in those rooms. No, no, there's not. Um, so now let's say, Will, we've gotten to the end of all these questions and suggestions. I also just realized our listeners can't tell. I'm talking with my hands a lot and I just you see myself are. waving my hands. You guys can't see it. He looks just, like a bird. He's like flapping his arms. Yes. It's Imagine a very Italian person on the other end because I am. So if you get to the end of these questions, these suggestions and tips, and you are not satisfied, maybe you haven't come to a resolution, you guys just can't seem to find a middle ground. What next? Number one ask, is this a core doctrine issue? Uh, Wesley's essential doctrine issue? You know, is it something that is really influencing our understanding of Trinity, of God? Like, those things are the big pictures. Uh, I have salvation here, and even salvation is understood differently across theological traditions. So maybe that's not even as core. As long as there is salvation happening from God, who gets it, how they get it, maybe that's a less likely or less important core. But you have to go back to it and be like, what is really important for me to understand God? What are the things that are important for all people? To understand God. And I think at the end of the day, we got to be okay with letting people believe differently on things that aren't the core issues. I want to actually touch on that salvation one, just because I want to make sure we clarify uh, why that even that maybe isn't something that's an essential, absolutely everyone can agree on it thing. So let's say, for example, that you do believe that everybody who is saved has been pre-elected. Well, if somebody doesn't believe that, then according to your own belief system, they're just wrong because they're not one of the elect, and you should just have mercy and grace on that person because they're not. If you believe that it's a choice that people choose to enter into relationship with God, then accept that maybe they're just not there yet. You may differ on the things, but in both ways, regardless of how you believe those things come about, you can still show kindness and grace to the person, even if you believe differently on it. And to be honest, yes. we probably won't know until we're gone, uh, at least from this earthly life, who's right. We can have really great ideas and strong and powerful beliefs, but it doesn't mean that we know until the moment it happens. Um, and then lastly, I just wanted to 
an example of just kind of letting it go it is I like to ask myself the question if I got to heaven and this issue was on the stand for judgment do I think God is dividing people into you were right on this one you were wrong on this one uh, I use the example of like again I always go to baptism so when you get to heaven regardless of your belief on baptism whether it's sprinkle dunk immerse pour whatever the whole thing is there's not going to be a sign up there that says dunkers only like all else to hell. You know, if you can't imagine God saying, if you don't have this belief, then to hell with you, literally, um, probably it's not an essential doctrine. Probably it's not something that we absolutely have to agree on. And in that case, extend some grace. For sure. We, we need the grace we need to extend that grace, understanding that, yes, there is a core level of doctrine that like every Christian needs to be on board on, but there is a ton more stuff that is nuanced understandings in how we understand and live our lives. Heck, you might even have the same theological concept and just practice it differently. That's okay. Yeah. Sure. Try to find, again, ask those questions, grow with the other person as you're trying to get there, because in a lot of these settings, having a conversation is going to benefit both of you greatly. I personally don't believe in debates, which unfortunately it's actually, I, I think it's getting less popular now. I think debates were very popular for. Well, I do believe in debates, Will. Well, I'm glad you do. That was Have a short one. <laughs> I concede. I concede all debates. As soon as they start, I'm like, I'm not doing this. You're probably but have, right. have that conversation. There, there's so much to learn from other people and their their theological developments. It's okay to to not understand it. Dive in, do as best you can. And at the end of the day, there's going to be some things that you're just going to have to be like, they see scripture a little differently than me. It's not a big deal on this issue. Maybe there is something I can glean from this. Maybe there is something good here. So I, I, I want to make sure we keep this moving along. Um, we, we've we done some really good practical advice here. Like this is, if I do say so myself, uh, but we, we've done some practical steps, but these are not necessarily things that you have to be a Christian to understand. Like we said, a lot of this is just kind of learning how to communicate with people in general. So I always like to ask the question about what does scripture say specifically about this issue? And one of the first ones that comes to mind when people talk about understanding God and understanding scripture uh, is Isaiah 55, 8, 9. Mm. And so it says, from my ways are higher, or my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Um, Dang, essentially, right? God is saying to people, I am much bigger than you. I am much greater than you. Not just in a, ooh, pride, I'm so great. But like literally, he is beyond our comprehension. His thoughts are so much higher than ours. His understanding and capabilities are so far beyond ours. So who's to say that I definitely have the right, like the right understanding of things? unless it's explicit and repeated in scripture. That's 
that's kind of where I lean is. If it's not very clearly written out and it's repeated, like maybe, maybe let's be careful about asserting our theological dominance here and being like, I am the one who understands all of the ways and the words of God. We For should sure. be confident in some things, but not every little detail. Will, thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I love this. It's one of my favorite sections of scripture right there because it does remind us that God is so big and beyond us that we are just trying to grasp at the tiniest little things of God, trying to understand, trying and striving to get to know God better. But he is so infinitely large that we're not going to be able to, to comprehend it all. And that's okay. What about so, your uh, next little section you yeah, had yeah. So mentioned this is, here? This is another big one. Uh, and th again, this is a specific example, but the concept applies throughout scripture. So Mark 4, 30-31, Jesus is talking about parables to describe heaven. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And everyone just like, yeah, sure, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, so he does explain the parable. Like, yes, there is an explanation there. But what does it really mean when he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed? We can grasp this idea of, okay, it starts small and then it grows. But, but that is not enough to build a complete understanding of heaven on. It, it's easy to understand how people could, could get at these different understandings even with an explanation. And so what I come back to is maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. Maybe, maybe your interpretation is right and theirs is wrong. Uh, but first of all, do you know for sure? And second of all, does it really matter? Like, it, does it, it, is a parable like this is the intention so that you get a very specific, unalterable, like you are going to die on this hill belief about the kingdom of heaven? Or is it to just kind of give a general understanding in a metaphorical way? There's a lot of metaphor in scripture. And Jesus even clarifies that, yes, I am teaching in parables for a reason. Yep. There's a reason for the parables. So again, I, I look to passages like this and I say, when we talk about people who have different beliefs, recognize when it's coming from something that is explicitly stated, like I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's explicit, very clear, hard to argue with. It's not poetic at all. Versus you know, our understanding of the kingdom of heaven. If you believe that heaven is going to be us just like singing all day in white robes and harps, like <laughs> I can't tell you you're wrong explicitly because heaven's only talked about in parables, but it it's not my thing. I don't believe it. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't seem to be, uh, it's one of those things where there are many things that are given in parable in metaphor, and there's plenty of things you can learn from those. Yeah. And from somebody else having a slightly different understanding of it, there might be another angle of the metaphor that you just didn't see before, mm -hmm. that they're showing you, that you're getting a chance to see something different. That can be good. It can be helpful to draw a full picture. Yeah, and actually, as a pastor, I've even seen 
I've had the benefit of preaching on passages that I then heard preached on by someone else. And sometimes you, like you said, there's just multiple angles and that's okay. It's not that you're wrong. It's that you could both be right. And you're just kind of getting an incomplete picture. Sometimes Mm -hmm. those different views can actually give you a better picture. So like, for example, going back to we're all, you know, harping it up in heaven. uh, Maybe there is a part of that that's true because we probably will be worshiping all the time. I don't know that that's all we're doing, but I would imagine that in heaven, if you're in God's presence, you're probably in a state of worship. Yeah. Uh, So then there's, there's passages like that where it's a parable where maybe there are multiple open interpretations. Maybe they can all be right. Then there's revelation. (laughs) Oh boy. If you want to talk about a book that people love to take literally only at certain points, The the book that every major scholar has a completely different view on. There's no like mainline understanding. Everybody's got a different take on it. Yeah. And throughout history, they've throughout history, they've been constantly changing too. You know, at one point, you know, the Antichrist is Rome. And another point, the Antichrist is the Pope. And another point, it's like, it's just (sighs) revelation. Here's a specific example I'd like to give revelation 12, one through six. The story about the woman and the dragon. And there's a woman who's giving birth to a baby. And there is a great dragon waiting to devour the baby after she gives birth. I'm sorry. I just don't. I I cannot believe that at this point in scripture that the Bible is advocating that there is going to be a literal dragon waiting for a literal woman to give birth to a literal baby so that he can eat the baby. Uh Real world is going to turn into a fantasy novel real quick. Yeah, for real. Dragons like, going to be popping up everywhere. There's the giant beasts. Like it's come out here so and Fusroda. Yeah, <laughs> but again, so there's parts that are obviously deliberately metaphorical because I, I've met a lot of different Christian scholars and armchair theologians. I've never once heard any of them say, "Oh yes, I believe in dragons." But there's a mention of a dragon in the Bible. So the point is that some parts of the Bible are deliberately metaphorical. They're deliberately artistic. And I would even argue that they are impossible to understand for certain. So when we find that we have different beliefs on things with people, kind of come back to, is it even possible for us to have an absolutely certain understanding of this particular issue? Some, again, yes, there is. There are definitely some things we can 100% certain know in scripture. Like, for example, that God created the heavens and the earth and everything in between. Absolutely certain God did it. Um, we can have a good enough grasp through our faith to and discernment to understand these things, to understand the concepts. But there are some parts where maybe we're not going to know 100% certain. To be honest, I've heard a lot of explanations of who the dragon is. Most of them historically have been wrong. It wasn't Rome. Rome, the Caesar did not turn out to be the Antichrist. Obama was not the Antichrist, as much as I heard some people say things like that. This is a popular theory for some. Neither neither has any other U.S. president been the Antichrist. Um, Even though some people were very confident in these, these statements. Again, I just think that some parts of scripture are deliberately hard to understand and and maybe even that the knowledge is hidden from us. And that's where, uh, well, I know I've talked for a little bit, so I want you to jump back in soon, but that's where I'm going to jump into this next verse of Matthew 11, 25, where Jesus says 
Father, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise. God, in Scripture, deliberately keeps things from people sometimes. There are some things we simply are not meant to know. So when we when we come up to these situations where we're like, well, he's wrong because he's different than me, or she's wrong, and I, I just I can't see it the same way. Don't be so quick to presume that you know and and, and they don't. They're just wrong, but you know for sure. Sometimes there are things that God keeps from us because we aren't meant to know. So Will, I've talked for a little bit, so give me some thoughts here. So as, as you've been talking, one of my big thoughts has been, you know, going back to the context. Context is king of understanding scripture. And there are some contexts that we know very well. We can look at the the mustard seed and be like, yes, people would have known exactly what a mustard seed was. It was a, a agriculture-based society. They totally would have gotten this. This is what it looks like today. Boom, we can we can start to draw that that map in our mind. There's other parts that the context might be a little contested as we're trying to understand the context and we don't have the full picture as best as we try. Some examples are like First Timothy. I know that we had sat down probably about a year ago and we were talking about a couple of different scriptures in there. And your study Bible had said like, oh no, it's not in reference to the Artemis cult. And I was like, I'm pretty well convinced from the context that I have read that it was. What are you referring to in First Timothy? The section about women. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About whether yes. or not women should preach. Yes. Yes, about women being silent. And like there's there is this whole dispute between was there an outside influence of a cultural cult that was in plaguing the church or was it something completely different? And that's why Paul was writing about it. Mm. Uh, those are two possible contexts and we, we weren't there. We're 2000 years removed from text. I am sure that whoever received that letter completely understood. Why is this being said? Yeah. We're a little removed from that. There's evidence for a possibility of this cult. There's evidence for maybe they're not being a cult influencing the church. We weren't there. We can strive to know. We can dig in, but we don't get the full context because we we weren't there. Somebody else's mail. I want to make hopefully sh- God reveals it to us. <laughs> yeah, I know that's that's the hope. One day I hope he uh, I hope he makes it all clear, and I think he will. But I want to make it. I want to make sure too that we we mention that. The idea here isn't to promote this extreme skepticism of everything. There are things that we can know. And in fact, the important stuff in scripture is very clear. It's often said explicitly, it's said very not poetically, and it's said repeatedly. Jesus is the Son of God. That's made abundantly clear. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He died a real physical death, and he had a real bodily resurrection that was witnessed by many, many people. He did proclaim to be the Son of God. He proclaimed to be one with the Father. 
and with the Holy Spirit. Like these are things that you can know and you can know for certain. And if someone is teaching you otherwise, you can absolutely have the authority to step in and say, that's not true. That's not what scripture says. But what we want to draw attention here to is that there are some things that we get so passionate about that maybe just aren't all that important. And so I'm going to touch on one last verse here. It's 2 Timothy 2.23, which tells us have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies because they just breed quarrels. They breed fights between believers. And honestly, a lot of the times the stuff that we disagree on and stuff that we fight about and divide over and make whole new denominations over sometimes, it's just not essential. It's not essential or it's not as clear as we want to believe that it is. And so what it does is it it divides us and it separates us, which to be honest, is exactly what Satan wants. Yep. He would much rather see one church turn into two because I think we should sprinkle and you think we should dunk. While While we're arguing about this stuff that, to be honest, isn't explicit in scripture, there's a world that's hurting and in need of Jesus and we're busy fighting amongst ourselves. So I would say don't get too caught up in these controversies. Don't get too caught up in the arguments because like there, there is a time and a place to step in. Like we'll said, like there's a setting and there's a way. And sometimes we do need to have the discussions, but man, don't let it just tear us up. Jump in with the conversations, have those conversations. Sometimes they're going to be hard at first, but honestly, the more you have and the more you just approach these conversations with an open mind of not like, I'm going to go beat this man down theologically because he's wrong, but I'm going to try to understand where this person got this. I want to help them be pointed in the right direction if maybe they were misled and maybe we can learn something from each other. Maybe it it could just be, hey, maybe this isn't a great source to get our theology from. But as we were talking about this, I remember a few years ago, I was going on a mission trip to Nicaragua. And before then, there was this big rally. And I don't even remember exactly what the people that were kind of running the show had said, but they were they were preaching and, you know, it was big, big rally, good time. They're preaching, and I remember they just said something that I was like, that sounds wrong on so (laughs) many levels. And like it it was one of those like 30 seconds they said this, they were done with it, they moved on, no big deal. And I never met these people before in my life. I never had a chance to talk to them. But I was talking to my pastor Tim about it, and I'm like, Tim, that's just kind of I don't know, rubs me a little wrong. What do you think? He's like, yeah, that was a very weird statement that they made there. I just, you know, sometimes you got to chew on the meat and spit out the bone. And I think that's, that's the best way that we can approach, especially a, a big name pastor that we will never get the opportunity to interact with. If we're listening online, you know, like we love to listen to good sermons. They can help us understand things better. The comment section is not going to be the place to call somebody out as as whatever, you know, hey, you misread this 
this scripture, whatever. Maybe if it's maybe if it's straight heresy, maybe let other people know. But like, we're not going at this with a mean heart of a hard heart of beating somebody down. But we can listen to it and chew on the meat, spit out the bone. There's probably still a lot of good stuff they're saying, and we don't need to throw out all the good stuff they're saying because they said one thing that we don't theologically line up with. There's probably still a ton that we can learn from, and I would encourage you to do that. Have conversations and learn what you can, and at the end of the day, when you just don't understand something, you just don't agree with it, spit it out. Don't hold on to it. Don't let it bother you longer than it needs to. Thanks again for listening this week. We'd like to give a special thank you to Travis D'Amato for both our theme music and sound editing. If you like either, you can find and contact him at Music 93 on Instagram. That's D-A-M-A-T-O Music 93. Remember to follow us on social media at Everyday Faith Podcast. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to share it. We're always looking for feedback to help us grow, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Faith Podcast.